Welcome to the Church in the Wild. I am excited for this very last edition of our podcast for 2018. This is our final episode of the year, and I can think of no one better to share this moment with than the man, the myth, the legend, Adrian Crawford himself. He's the man that helped launch this podcast. He's the man that stepped in at a few crucial episodes along the way, and we have a whole host of year in review topics to dive into today that I am eager to get his opinions on. What's up, Adrian? Seth Tremor, how are you, sir? I am excited to be on it, man. I remember when we first when you first started off on this podcast, man, and this journey of doing this. And it's been awesome to, over the year, man, to watch what you've uh, produced. Man. It's been incredible content. So I'm glad to be on, man, to end year review. This should be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. And just so the audience knows, we have not prepped any of these topics beforehand. So what you're going to get is going to be straight off the dome, unfiltered. Mm. And uh, that's a little bit dangerous when it comes to you and I. But we're oh, just... man. It, I hope I don't get fired, man. Just, <laughs> just let me not get fired today. You know, sometimes you got to take a risk for the people, though. You know, you got to give the people what they want. <laughs> Facts only. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. 2018. What a year it was. Uh, before we jump into all these, you know, fun little topics of what was going on in culture. Uh, Adrian, what uh, what was one of your best memories out of 2018? Wow, man. 2018. Um. Are you more personal, like a more personal thing? Like was that kind of a personal, like for, uh, for my family or something that happened to me or are you just talking about just in general? I'll let you, I'll let that be dealer's choice, man. It'll help reveal to us what, Deal, what wow. really matters to you. Yep, there, yep. We there we go. I would say, man, honestly, one of the highlights for me would have to be, you know, as a, as a, as a parent, um, I would have to be, I would say some of like the maturity and growth of my eldest, my son, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, Seth, you know, and, um, some of the viewers or some of the listeners may know that my son Jalen was born, um, he's on the spectrum. Um, he's very high functioning, um, on the spectrum of autism. He's very high functioning. Um, and, um, had kind of a big, really rocky beginning of 2018, um, but something that was, you know, that kind of was a real rock, kind of a real uh, traumatic thing for him actually ended up turning out to be an incredible thing. And just watching his growth, I mean, things I thought would maybe take three or four years to happen have happened over the last, you know, six months. So that's honestly probably been like, you know, the highlight for me just because I've seen just such growth and growth and then in that growth, seeing confidence and just seeing um, just his maturity. So, man, it's been pretty sweet to watch that. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It's been really fun because I've been a part of a lot of those conversations as, you know, a lot of things have unfolded over the last year. And uh, it has been really cool. Anyone who meets your son just falls in love with him pretty instantly. So he's an easy kid to root for, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm actually going to have to go similar to you. I I can't, um, I haven't trouble kind of isolating one kind of specific event. But I think the thing that I have most enjoyed about 2018, particularly with my um, sons, all three of my sons, is I've had one, at least one in particular, really kind of um, pivotal conversation with which each which each of them, which kind of represented kind of a step of maturity in our relationships. So just a, a deeper depth of kind of father son connection, understanding one another, um, and even ministering to them on pretty deep levels. So I've seen all of them really take some really cool steps of faith and getting to have like a real conversation where it's not just me talking at them, but I, I really feel like they're bearing their heart to me. And uh, so mm. I think each I can each one of them I've had uh, I've kind of had one of those kind of really awesome conversations over this past year. 
It just makes you feel like maybe I'm not doing everything wrong as a dad, you know? That's <laughs> <laughs> so it's so, it, it, it's so true. And there's just moments, man, as a, as a, I'm with you as a father, you're just like, man, am I doing anything right? Then when you see those glimpses, like you were talking about, I mean, your boys get those glimpses of you're like, all the stuff I've been saying has not been falling on deaf ears. They've actually been hearing it, you know, or just not heard it the right way. So, yeah, man, that's exciting to hear, man. Because again, I love again loving your, I mean, love your entire family, but man, your boys are uh, are incredible human beings. So man, that's exciting to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. All right, Pastor Adrian, let's jump into this. We're going to start with a little bit of international flair to kick us off in 2018. I'd love to hear your reactions to this. Um, I know the world is filled with all kinds of bad news, but I tried to pick up things that are mostly interesting or at least semi-lighthearted. We'll, we'll be a couple deep divers on, on some things. But Meghan Markle, Adrian, she was the first woman of color to join the British royal family. This happened in 2018. Of course, the royal wedding was all over the internet and TV and, and everything else. Man, are you into the whole royal wedding thing? Do you get into that? Did you actually pay any attention to it? <laughs> I absolutely did. And again, being the father of two daughters, um, I actually watched it with my, I watched parts of it with my, uh, with my youngest, uh, so, you know, we were there and just sitting there and it was real powerful. I mean, cause you know, my kids, you know, being, you know, being African-American, man, my kids are getting able to experience some things that I never got to experience in my childhood, you know, from mm. you know, my, my, my children, you know, my son and my daughter, my oldest daughter were born, you know, with, uh, with, you know, president Obama, the first black president and my, my, my youngest Peyton, remember all of them or my youngest Peyton has never known. I mean, until uh, recently for president Trump, all she ever knew as a president was Barack Obama. Yeah. And so and now seeing think. this certain, yeah, it is seeing these, like seeing these kind of, milestones happen um it's, it's exciting again not just only because of just you know me being black but it's just i think just uh, uh moving forward in culture and i think also why i really was excited because i thought that she you know megan markle just handled the whole situation with incredible grace and incredible dignity um it just you know and i think even when people said you know incredible negative and nasty things toward her the way her response was uh, i just thought it was it was very it was again it was very royal it was very elegant how she did things so uh, it was and it was again it was a fascinating uh you know the fascinating wedding yeah for sure it's kind of one of those moments where i you know i'm not quite sure what to think of the whole british royalty kind of stuff i, I don't totally <laughs> understand why people lose their minds uh, they're kind of figureheads, you know, that don't really do a whole lot, you know, but they're super rich and super popular for some reason. Um, but uh, I think one of the things that is just generally encouraging, and I don't know that we hear about this enough or that we talk about this enough, but uh, as much as it feels like the world is in kind of the doom and gloomiest kind of spots and the 24-hour news cycle and social media and all the news outlets are streaming every horrible thing in the world to us instantaneously, you know, and that's all we kind of ever consume. I think the reality is, is, is I think, you know, Megan is, is representative of a lot of what's happening in our world, which is incredible advancement and opportunities. And it's unprecedented. I think the, the level of access and opportunity 
um, representation, you know, everything else that's happening, especially in the Western world. But you're seeing even things like in Saudi Arabia, like women now have the right to drive there, which seems crazy Mm. that they're just now getting that. But um, there's many ways where you can look at the world and you can see, man, there's there's very cool things happening. Uh, The world is 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 complex. It's dark, but it's also growing brighter in all kinds of really cool ways. And and this may not be the most substantial of all of all the things that happened in 2018 for people of color, but I think it's representative of a lot of cool things that are continuing to happen in those categories, which is all really good news to me. Yeah, I think it is. And I and 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 I and and when you have the the rise of the internet as well, it it flattens the world. It allows people to for us to have access to those things when there's real breakthrough happening around the world before, you know, with again, there's the dangerous side and kind of the nasty part of the twenty four hour news cycle. But mm-hmm. the other thing, we're hearing about these things more. So, you know, again, with every great invention and every great technological advance, there's always a dark side. Um, but I also think there's a great thing. And I think, man, we're seeing, we could actually see that. And, and, you know, we could, you know, again, what's happening in other places where maybe we, it wouldn't be made a big deal, but these things are being made a big deal. And so I actually think, yeah, I think just watching that advance of that, man, I think it's really exciting. Yep, for sure. I think it's one of the things I have to remind myself of, and I find myself as a pastor just wanting to remind my church of, that all like bad news is what sells. And so that's what we're given so often to consume. Um, but there's a lot of things that are trending in really positive directions. Crime and violence are down. Global uh, economy in terms of wages um, is actually up. Living conditions are up. Sanitary issues are up. Clean drinking water is up. Uh, like global poverty has been shrinking at astronomical you know rates of recent. So on big picture levels, it is it is not all like stuff to be depressed about. There's some stuff to be generally genuinely I would say encouraged about. Um, and, uh, it's just too bad. I don't think that we, we don't hear about that stuff more often. Yeah. And, and I think you're right, man. I think that when we are, um, you know, like you said, with what sells papers and, and also I think sometimes just this idea where people make a lot of money and, you know, when people are making money off of people's fears yeah, and I think that things are marketed that way. And, you know, I mean, it's always, I mean, marketing's always been about our fears and about our insecurities, yep. you know, like, you know, man, you don't have this type of car, you know, you know, the pretty girl ain't going to like, you You know, if, yeah, that's right. you know, they're right now, Hey, you better get this, you better get this protection system on the internet or, you know, or, you know, Russia's c- coming in to steal all your stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. just, it's everything. It's just that, but I'm with you, I think, but I think that is a, I actually think Seth, this is an opportunity for entrepreneurs and, and and people who want to look in a space to begin to create, you know, from the, the famous book, Blue Ocean Strategy, create a blue ocean is I actually think it's a huge market, like a huge market available for those who actually want to bring real positive things yes. like to the world. Yes. So actually creating a positive news cycle, you know what I'm saying? Like that actually, because people are becoming exhausted with what's happened. Yep. And so since they're becoming exhausted with what's happening, I think this is an incredible opportunity for the market to be able to open up something new like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's actually a little bit more that I want to dive into, but it's going to come in really uh, interconnected to another topic I have come coming later down the line. Uh, 
So I'm going to just kind of jump and this kind of helps bridges because this is a I guess you could call this another kind of semi good news sort of thing, depending on, I guess, what perspective you want to look at it from. This is kind of random and out there. Uh, but South Korea in 2018 closed its largest dog meat slaughterhouse, declaring a massive victory for all those lovers of the canine species. Are you like this is for real? <laughs> this is for real. <laughs> Did you even know there was such thing as a as a dog slaughterhouse? That is seriously like <laughs> in all one thing disturbing and nasty altogether. <laughs> like that is gross. Like we're twenty. Like there's just you know what? It's what you you know. This is amazing. It's what you just said. We have advanced a lot. It's like we are. We are. We have made huge jumps, and then when you say something like that, <laughs> we've made no jumps. Like we made forty steps up. That took us oh. back now. All the positive things I just said, I have taken those all back to now. We have not advanced anywhere. What is wrong with people? Uh, like, like what is wrong with? Well, well, you know, we got to be a little careful here, you know, because we're talking about protein and protein is not an easy source to come by, especially in various parts of the world, you know. And so, um, you know, I've got good friends who are in Cambodia right now and they talk about all the time when they go out into the, you know, kind of outer villages of Cambodia where there's just, you know, obviously extreme poverty and lack. And when you walk into these villages, you know, dirt huts and everything else, like they said, the one thing you will notice is how silent it is. You'll walk through jungle and as you come near these villages, it's silent. I mean, you don't see bugs crawling. You don't see any animals. You don't see anything. And they said the reason is because people are so hungry, they eat anything and everything. So everything's fair game. Um, And that's that's just that's just the human, you know, condition of poverty and just need. And so I, I, you know, even just a. I find that whenever you go to places that have been, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you go to places where the culture has been traditionally uh, impoverished, you'll find that they have to get really creative, you know, to, you know, use various parts or organs or intestines or different things that is not of high value, but they have to learn to cook with that kind of stuff in order to make it work, you know, because you need the nutrients, you need the protein, but you ain't going to be getting a whole lot of, you know, the ribeyes or the filet mignons, you know, that's only going to be afforded by a certain few. So yeah, when you when you head off into the places where they've been they've had a tougher economic times in their history, you'll find that they'll dude, they eat some crazy stuff in those kinds of places. And I guess South Korea is just now catching up with the rest okay. of the world in the dog meat department. But but yeah, yes, I get that and what you're saying. <laughs> but you still not down. Where you were, <laughs> but I'm still not down. But look at where you were saying Cambodia. Yes. Okay, you're talking about like 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 South Korea. Yes. Like, if you said North Korea, <laughs> all right, South Korea, like, Seoul is in South Korea. Am I correct? <laughs> like, listen, like, no, this is, I don't know. And then you're talking about it's some processing plant. Thing. It's a slaughterhouse. You're not talking about. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a slaughterhouse. You're not necessarily, yeah, so heck no, because we're not talking about. Oh, hey, what you said earlier, people are going out there. They'll eat anything. I get it. You'll do whatever you got to do. Yeah, to sure. No problem with that. You create a slaughterhouse, which means this. It's an industry. You now create a business. Yeah. If you are creating a slaughterhouse dog business, you are in an economy, in a market where you can go get some chicken. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm just <laughs> like you can eat something else. I'm just saying, man. Like, look, truth. I yeah, get it. Truth. It was popping. It was popping in the 60s or in the 1900s. 1860s, dude, yeah, 20, something like that. Dude, that's what I'm saying. We're in 2018. 
You know what I mean? Like, I just – there's certain things I still struggle with. You know, we're in 2018, man. Like, come on, fam. Yep, yep. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for that rant, my man. No, it seems like of all the uh, – <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not exactly a card-carrying member of Peter or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that's this. This it feels right. This seems like this is a this is a good direction to go in my mind. I'm with you. Yeah, it, it, yes, I'm with you. Because normally, like when when I right here, like you know, again, I'm not. You know me, Seth. I'm not the the animal lover type of guy. You no. know what I'm saying? So what, what is the I'm status of the that. Crawford family dog campaign? How how's that going? Oh man, dude, my kids are wearing me out. I mean, they are. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't dropped like, you know, they haven't dropped leaflets from a plane and just plunge over our house in their campaign. <laughs> you know, slot to scatter our neighborhood to get it. Man, I've got people calling. I got friends of mine I haven't talked to in a while, like direct messaging me, like, "Hey, get your kids that dog and whatever." And I'm like, "Whatever, fam." I'm like, "You guys are gonna have to take care of that thing." I will. And what I don't want to hurt my kid's heart is this, because I'm a type of dude. I want to, you know, listen, I have enough emotional things yes. that I deal with. Yep. I'm not trying to get attached to a dog. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, we probably will eventually do it. But as of now, um, you know, it maybe it's coming. You know, we haven't told them yet. Maybe we may, maybe it may be summer 19. It could be a potential uh, Crawford dog. But I tell you what, I told my kids, if you don't take care of that dog, one thing about your father is this. I don't have a lot of emotion toward that. So let me tell you, if you don't take care of that dog, I'll get that dog away. Like, it literally be like, I'm just, I'm just like, not think twice about it. So anyway, so that's where, so that's where I, so I yeah. think they are, you know, they're getting yeah. there. So we'll see what happens. As, as a father that uh, fought the same good fight that you are now fighting, I've not only heard, but repeated this rhetoric near verbatim. And all I had to tell you, my friend, is... Good luck. Good luck with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are. Because, hey, what, what's your dog's name again? Moses, man. Dude, that's right. Because, well, first of all, here's the thing, too, about you. You may have the greatest dog ever. I got a ever. great dog. I do. Dude, Moses is the most chilled dog I've ever man. been around. Yep. He, like, now, if, if, I would tell you this. If we got something like that. Yep. I probably would. Yeah. Like I'm sitting there, I'm watching TV. He rolls up on me, man. He likes his own space. But like, if I get one of those little hyperactive dogs, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. end of story. Yeah, I'm like, no, mm, end of story. That's like, I, I'm looking for a reason to get rid of that dog. Yeah, you know what I'm Moses, like, Moses is yeah. chill. He doesn't bark. Uh, you know, he loves to snuggle with all the kids. You know. Um, he's cute, yeah. you know, he's not too big where his poops and his shedding wherever else that is like a real <laughs> issue, you know, Dude, he's a, he's a pretty, he's a pretty good dog. I, I, I gotta, I gotta give that. Um, but, uh, yep. Once you got him, it kind of changes the game a little bit someday, someday, Adrian, we'll, uh, we'll be praying mm. for the Adrian or the, uh, the Crawford kids in their campaign for love and <laughs> love and justice in their world. All right. So moving on on our list here, uh, here we go. I know this is this, I'm just going to give you the, uh, the trigger warning on this one. I know that's, that's kind of a thing these days to prepare your heart because I know this one is going to be sensitive for you. Um, but, uh, but my man Thanos showed up and completely obliterated half the universal population, including mm. black Panther. Mm. Yep. We just we just got Black Panther. Got Black Panther. Yes. If I, if that can't sum up 
If that does not sum up the history of America in one movie right there, good night, man. Black man, black man shines, and my man dies in the next Marvel movie. Like, I mean, my man steps out, man, one of the, if not one of the top grossing movies of all time, Black Panther, the culture, I mean, just brought so much pride, not only to Black America, but to everyone. I mean, people love yeah, that I love movie. Yeah. And, all, yeah, I love, and then all of a sudden, at the end of Marvel, and Black Panther evaporates, dude, I was in the movie theater, and this is no lie. Yeah. I'm in the movie theater, yep. and all of a sudden, this black dude yells out, Hey, man, that's some bull, beef. We just <laughs> no. got him. We just got him. Dude, no. I lo- Yes, real life. Like, yo, black people, we took that to heart, man. Oh, like, hey, gosh. think about this. No, it, 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 it is, it's all fun and games, man, but it's hilarious. No, but it's, it's like, not, though. But yeah. that's that's the thing, though. Like, I know it's, that this mm-hmm. this was representative of something that really deep. This was not just a movie character for so many people. You know what I mean? Like, that's... <laughs> it, it, yes. Because here's, because here's what I tell people all the time. And we talked about, I think, on one of the episodes before we talked about Black Panther, why it's so significant. It's because, like, growing up, like... As a young black kid, yeah, there was no one, right? Yeah, I mean, like growing up, who who did I have? Like Apollo Creed, then he dies. He like, does. Yeah, eventually like, he does die. Like, yes, eventually, eventually Apollo Creed dies. Yeah, Apollo, like you know, the draw against Rock. You know, it's a whole thing. Like I mean, what Star Wars? Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams, Mister Colt Forty Five. Like that's mm-hmm. all I had. Like mm-hmm. growing up mm-hmm. was people like that. You didn't have like lead guys and superheroes at that. Like superheroes, especially. And so it was, it was a huge thing, you know, we, you know, for, for, for black culture, because again, again, going back to what we said at the beginning of this podcast, my children are experiencing things that like, that I, that my grandparents never thought they would ever see. Sure. I never saw growing up. This is normal to them. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? The fact that there's not more, black superheroes you know i just took my son to go see uh spy the new spider-man mm. and that like and again which was incredible by the way yeah i've heard incredible. that so if you haven't seen it yeah if you haven't seen it, it the, is the animated one but right? again yes it was mm-hmm. phenomenal and the thing about it my son again what is he getting normalized to was the fact that you had this 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 spider-man who was black and he was like black and latino and just kind of having culture and more Jordans and all this stuff. And, and for some people, you know, we talk about this stuff, like for, I have to explain a lot of time. I explain sometimes to like, to my white friends and, and those who are like, well, you know, we're all equal and, you know, and, and, and why is it such a big deal? It's because when you, when you are the majority culture, it's just normal. But all of a sudden it, it, it's exciting to see that, to see like a culture put on display and it be and it seem as normal, not like hey, this is kind of a sidekick or you know just a scene in the movie yeah. in this certain neighborhood. But it's like the main thing yeah. is this kid and whatever. So my point is this: it's just no these movies and things that are happening. They're really significant. But yes, when Thanos destroyed them, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man! Yeah. This is ridiculous. They they got to redeem this soon. Well, you know, there's enough good characters left behind, and 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 uh, 
I've the rumors are out that there's already the next Spider-Man trailer, you know, that's uh, that somehow been leaked somewhere on the Internet. And so, you know, and of course, Spider-Man also uh, got turned to ash, you know, by Thanos. So yeah. apparently they figure out a way to solve it because there's more Spider-Man movies coming. That's all. That's so there's at least some sense of encouragement there, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I think I think one of the things that's really, you know, I think that's actually kind of cool about this whole thing is like, yes, if we just want to turn movies into like these meaningful kind of cultural identifying markers, you know, um, they become symbolic and representative. And that's that's really, really cool. Um, But I think I think the full progression of this in my mind is where. Okay, we we do like you're in your words, like we begin to normalize this. This actually becomes more of the normal expression. And then you can allow for the full artistic range to happen with certain characters. Right. It's not like, you know, because obviously he's getting evaporated. There's going to be some kind of comeback coming and you can you can allow for the twists and the turns, maybe not quite as intertwined with with everyone's kind of this is a statement of history and personal oppression and experience that we've gone through. And art can really do what the art needs to do in terms of the storytelling. Um, and you can have the full liberty to do that. So you don't have to typecast or stereotype or caricature or simplify. You can have you know, characters yep, of color yep. and different expressions that have layers to them and don't necessarily just go you know, according to, to what they've always been. So in some ways, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to find a silver lining is what I'm trying to do here. But I think in some way, like letting the art do what the art's going to do with these characters, hopefully they do become more normal. We see a broader expression of these sorts of things. And I think, I think I'm really encouraged that for these generations coming up, you know, I think, I think that's going to be difficult for like older generations and parents to wrap their heads around that for their kids, their mental and emotional hurdles may not be the same as as their kids, you know, and even even you just think even a couple more generations down the line, you know, it's just uh, culture is changing in some ways that rapidly, hopefully for the better, um, even though I'm sure a lot of, of uh, just historical struggle will get uh, communicated. And so there'll be appreciation and all that good stuff that uh, that runs through it all. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I want to say this too, mate. I know me and you, we talk. I mean, again, all the time because of just the what our hearts for it and the churches we lead and everything. It's that in the communities that we're in is the idea of like diversity and reconciliation. All things. The one thing I hope that doesn't happen is like what you're saying. I, you know, I think it's so important. You know, you gotta really take a stance and really pushing things forward. You know, like you gotta. You know, not just throw out one movie. And I think they, and I love them getting behind and putting a Black Panther out and going all in with what they did. And I think there needs to be more things that are put out there. But what I also hope that does not get lost in that is the fact that now, you know, because I think the danger side on the other part of the spectrum is that, you know, not everyone is like, it becomes where, you know, where if you have any type of, in any movie where like, people who are part of, you know, who are white and the culture and their upbringing and, and those things are looked at as a negative thing, you know, they're not negative. They're actually how you grew up and it's a great thing. Um, but it's just like, I think so many times now we're living in this world where people just have no common sense anymore mm. to find common ground in the middle. Like we live, like, let me tell you, as progressive as we say we are, we are stupid. We just are. We've lost all common sense to be able to say, you know, because what I'm saying is a black man. One thing I fear is this fact that when I have so much I fear, one thing I, it is a fear. I, it's that, that whole thing of where we, that as African-Americans, we don't become the one thing we once despise. Mm. That's one thing I'm really passionate about is because 
you know, um, you know, where people based off of just straight color made assumptions about us. Yeah. Negative assumptions. And I don't want that to be the case because that's never good. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you are actually stripping people of image being image bearers of God. Yeah. Now, are there long ways we have to go for, for people of color and continue to push things for it? Absolutely there is. But we also have to make sure that in that process we can do that without demeaning um, a whole people group and culture. Yeah. Because that is stripping them. So that's what I'm hoping, you know, doesn't with all this stuff, I love all this stuff happening, but I also hope that part doesn't go to a real bad place. Yeah. Yeah. Well I've you know, obviously our friendship has meant so much to me and one of the things I've really appreciated about you is is that 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 comes out of your heart that um, that they're you're able to handle nuance and complexity and uh, you know there's there's so much that comes out in just terms of cultural narratives that really over oversimplify things uh, make things black versus white I guess sometimes in a literal sense and really yeah. remove a lot of the gray and uh, and I think the the real thing that has to be watched out for, and this, gosh, we have to do this all the time in church culture, but it's it's true in culture at large, like to um, overcorrect and swing the pendulum, you know, from one unhealthy extreme all the way to another unhealthy extreme, um, whereas there has to be wise, rational, courageous voices that step up and say, like, okay, here here is the here is the wise, healthy, you know, loving, you know, godly correction that needs to happen in this area. Without, like you're saying, just simply just becoming the very thing um, that you despise, you know, in the end. And uh, yeah, that's the yeah. boy. There's a whole yeah. lot of work on on every possible side of the aisle of culture, of, of ethnicity and so forth that, that has to wrestle with that tension. Yeah, I agree. 100 percent. Yep. Well, this is going to lead us actually into the next uh, the next point here. And this is where we maybe go in a little bit of a deeper deeper issue here but the you can't you can't run past the 2018 midterm elections which just highlighted an even more exacerbated <laughs> political divide in our country and uh, and so sure. this has really just pinned people against each other and it seems to be tribalizing our country uh, like at least it feels more so than it ever has if you look at statistically you know about roughly half the country has been voting Republican and roughly half has been voting Democrat and you know the kind of independents have just kind of been swinging back and forth whoever's not in office you kind of want to try something new and and so you know maybe statistically we don't see this huge variance in terms of you know where people actually stand but you sure seem like the rhetoric and the the posturing and the the level of dialogue that's happening between people um, and the midterm elections seem to really bring it out extensively that uh, we're having a difficult time getting along, Adrian Crawford. <laughs> we are, and and I don't see it, and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon, and because. I know people are like, oh, we're kind of tired of it, but they're not yet. We, you know, mm. it's kind of like we haven't really hit the bottom of how tired we are. Now, what I will say is that once we do hit the bottom, I do think it's those people who create real reconciled cultures will have a real place in the market. And what I mean by the market, I mean no matter what, whatever space you're in, you can be on the forefront of leading in that industry. So if that's in the church space, if that is in, um, if you are in, you know, kind of technology, if you're in some type of, um, uh, you know, service type of industry, those people who build kind of very diverse spaces, or I should say diverse spaces, I mean, a place where people come in and they just, and there's just a sense of where people, it's community where people can belong, they can be who they are, 
um, but also they can be who they are and but and have their view and other people and be around other people who have that view have a different view but they don't but they unite on the majors you know yeah. i think we live just in times right now man where where people are they it's we you can't even think differently than someone else and like i said earlier we're just dumb like i'm serious like i just I, i'm at that place we're just we're, we're dumb like we like there's no and here's what i think that makes us dumb it goes to what we talked a lot about stuff is emotional stuff yeah i just think we have no emotional resilience as a culture yeah and, I'm there, and you know what's agree. funny about that and here's what's funny about it the older people who rail against millennials about it they're as soft as they are hmm. like they are because yeah, yeah, they you, it's be. not it's not it's not the young like oh you know i hear the older on both sides now I and mean, I, can, I can hear younger, and I'm just going to speak straight. I can speak straight. Younger, like liberals, they kind of have their thing, but it's older Republicans or conservatives who kind of, you know, it's whenever, you know, a Democrat's in office, it's just, you know, they go lose their minds. And, you know, when they, and there's just no emotional resilience to be tough enough to say, hey, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to demean you. Mm. Like that takes a toughness about you. That takes an emotional toughness to be able to sit in a room with somebody and have a different worldview and ideology, but all, but be able to say, you know what though, where can we find common ground? Where can we lead and say, you know what, man, we don't. And and I just think that people just, people don't want to have face-to-face tough conversations without it becoming, listen, it's, you're not tough to start screaming at people. Real toughness is being able to sit in a room with somebody and, and actually control yep. and stay calm. It is like, and so that's why I tell people when I hear older people rail on millennials, I actually go back at them now because I, you know, I mean, you've talked about this before. Like, one, we're we like we romance our growing up. Oh, we were such this way, whatever. No, we weren't. If we had what these kids had, we would be the same way. Yeah. The other thing is this we raise these kids, like, we're you know, what I'm saying it's like baking a cake and then you're pissed off at the cake. It comes out not the way you want it. Well, like you raise them, so you're talking about there's certain ways. I'm like whatever. But then the other thing is like we're not we're no different. So I'm really I'm with you, man. Me and you talk about this stuff a lot. It just becomes so frustrating in these conversations because I'm like no one wants to really we just, everybody's going to stay on the side. So I'm like okay, well this what's going to happen when we get exhausted of that, then we'll come together. Or I I hate to say it this way, Seth, something unfortunate will have to happen in order for us to come together. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's just, what yeah. will that be? Well, I I think there's there's encouraging things about all this, because I think what you're saying is actually quite true. I've heard the whole, like, liberal snowflake, you know, kind of uh, yeah. pejorative comment that gets thrown out a lot of times. But I think snowflakeism or just this, this delicate you know, person that really can't handle thoughts that aren't like their own. Um, I think that goes definitely across the aisle on both sides. And where I see it most acute, just like you're describing, is people that have really lived in echo chambers. So, you know, maybe it's the older generation that's really just grown up in a conservative home, voted Republican all their life, and has pretty much just been watching Fox News ever since. And and then you've got, you know, kids that may be growing up in very liberal school systems or families and have gone off to liberal college, and, you know, and now they're encountering, you know, maybe conservative viewpoints or or personas and so forth. And they both seem to have very similar reactions. But what I'm really actually encouraged about is the places where you're you're finding rational dialogue and intermingling of different, you know, thoughts or backgrounds or even cultures. I think you're seeing that more and more in the church. 
Um, I think you're seeing mm. people have those interaction dialogues. I mean, I know that as a kid uh, yep. who did grow up in a place that is very liberal leaning, uh, now pastoring, you know, a theologically conservative church, um, like I've I've had to all my life been been exposed to all kinds of views that I don't necessarily agree with or you know or believe in, and and so I've had to just to survive learn how to interact with that and dialogue with that you know not take everything personally offensive and become outraged by it sort of a thing, and I think there's a lot of people that are having to do that quite intuitively, and I think anyone that can stand the tensions of remaining in a diverse church community. Um, which I know both of ours, you know, are representatively in a lot of ways. It, to be able to do that requires a lot of emotional maturity, and so I guess I'm just encouraged about the fact that I think we can see the church really being able to bring blessing and renewal to a d- divisive culture because I think we have some um, like some spiritual and emotional toolkit, you know, that we've been developed by that I think our culture is severely severely lacking. Yeah, you are you are uh, spot on with that. I think that. That I say to our, I say to the church I lead all the time. I think it's one of the greatest times to be alive for uh, people, for Jesus followers, because I actually believe we actually have the answer in this moment like never before. I mean, because when you really think, you said it right, man. We got this this skill set and this tools to be able to do it. And when it's all said and done, you know, it's one of the big marks. You know, I mean, Jesus says it. I mean, they, they'll know you belong to me by how you love one another. So how we do community, doesn't matter your background, where you've come from, so how we do that, I believe it's going to be, I believe in the next 20 or 30 years, Seth, it'll be the greatest evangelistic tool in the church. It will be how churches do community. Yeah, how we love one because another. Are gonna, yep. Yeah, because people are going to be, they're going to be so exhausted of just all this stuff. When they walk in, they won't be able to explain it, but they'll walk in and be like, it just feels right. Yeah, totally. Like, this seems right. And I think it's one of the greatest opportunities we can we, we will have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, another perspective on this is this, that when you really break down what's going on in the country right now, there's obviously the the, the narrative that's being pushed, you know, from a media standpoint. Um, but, you know, polls have been showing by and large that when you look at the kind of extreme left and the extreme right, that those only represent a minority percentage of Americans and, and anywhere between 60 and 70 percent of Americans fall in between what's considered kind of mm. far left and far right. Um, they're kind of what's being largely considered the silent majority um, or the like the suffering, like the like endlessly exhausted majority, you know, uh, as I've heard one person put it. Um, and so I, I don't think our country is just completely split. I just think there's there's ends of the country that are just getting louder and louder and louder. But you have this exhausted majority in the middle that's largely silent or, or at least unheard, but a lot of reasonable people that can see truth on both sides of the coin, ration things out, fall maybe on one side or the other slightly this way or that way, but can still manage a whole lot of tensions in the process. So I'm hoping that as we're describing, the church can play a role in that of being the kinds of people that can transcend sort of the far left, far right sort of divide and then transcend a lot of these really hot button political issues um, that are politicized and, and the worst of both sides is, is represented um, and uh, and hopefully be able to speak into these kind of moments and and maybe take back some of the just the leadership of these conversations and um, and, and the, just the, the mm. stories and information that gets presented. Because um, like I say, the majority of this country is somewhere in the middle, not on the extremes, um, even though that's not always what we're what we're led to believe. There was also um, some stuff that's, that's been coming out recently. In fact, I read an article even this morning 
when I was reading the news, there was a, a German journalist that just got fired because he was essentially uh, falsifying his articles. So he did, uh, he did, for an example, an article where he went to America to try to explore kind of like the Donald Trump support. So he went to like a, you know, kind of a Midwest city, I believe it was in Michigan. And when he went there, he actually photoshopped some of the pictures that he took uh, to make the town appear more racist, like Mexicans not welcome kind of signs that he he photoshopped in like he created them. Um, so he wow. act, yeah, so he actually led and started creating this narrative of like taking these more conservative Trump supporting people and then implanting kind of a racist narrative on top of them to exacerbate everything that kind of he believed about them because he knew it would make it a more uh, appealing article to want to be read. And he was doing this over and over and over and over again with a lot of are just falsifying uh, witnesses, falsifying interviews, just making quotes up, all this kind of stuff. Um, there's even a, a source that found that there's these Russian trolls that have been known to create, they found that there's a few different Black Lives Matter um, and alt-right Facebook pages that have been created by Russian trolls. And so what they do is, wow. is like, of course, there's like, of course, there's a, such a thing as Black Lives Matter. And of course, there's a thing called alt-right, you know, but they basically just try to, to amplify the tensions maybe between those two sides of the camp louder and louder by creating more of those pages and making the dialogue more vitriolic. Um, so there's a whole campaign going on in the world right now um, that's trying to turn us in on ourselves. And hopefully at some point we're going to wake up to this whole thing like you're saying and hopefully it doesn't have to come to some sort of tragedy hopefully something where we yeah. kind of come to our senses um and and realize we have far more in common than than uh than we realize we have far more like common interests than we realize and there there is a way to talk about difficult issues with the nuance and complexity that they that they deserve yeah man i and i think so i mean i love how you just put all that um because it is, it's just mo it's it's always the it's always the loudest, you know. It's always the minorities that become the loudest because they're so. And here's the thing: you can actually like learn, even though it's done in a negative way. It's the reason why is because they're just united on something, right? And it's like they got one sole mission, and that's it, you know. And and I think what ends up happening many times, those people have the loudest voices on the outside. And but I also agree with you that when people begin to wake up and realize, like, man. My neighbor next door to me, you know, who voted for Donald Trump, isn't some flaming racist. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I mean, but here's I tell people: are there are there some people who voted for Donald Trump who are racist? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's but it's one of those things where, like, I got people who are in our church who are God loving yes. human beings. They I know them too. Yeah. And they voted. And, yeah, and they voted for him. Yeah. Just like I, wonderful, kind, side, I know, generous, like. Yes. Great people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, on the other side, I know people who are loving, kind. I mean, some of the most sacrificial people mm -hmm. in the world yep. who voted for Barack Obama. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, no question. And that's why and that's why and that's why I think for people understanding, because you know, it has those both sides. Like, oh, you know, I hear all the time in our church, there's no way you could be a Jesus follower and, and be a Democrat. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, all right, well, you know what I'm saying? Because, again, yes, because Jesus didn't deal with political parties or issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, we think that, like, this is all new. You know, Jesus was here, he'd be a conservative. I'm like, okay, like, he can't preach in his own kingdom, idiot. Like, but anyway, it's one of those things <laughs> to where, like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's crazy, but I actually do. It's just people, but I think that's where 
if we're again, says, you know me, my entrepreneurial mind is always this, always thinking about not entrepreneurial from the sense of making money, but more of the idea of creative and and, and innovation and yep. looking at where's the opportunity. Where's the opportunity? And the opportunity is this. If I'm right now, this is where for me, I'm looking at, oh, no, the opportunity. Now, you may not get there. It may not happen for five years, but you're starting to build out. I tell our church all the time, like, God, I'm building, we are building a church right now from five to 10 years from now. It's because when it turns, people are going to be looking for places that just seem right. And again, God's people should be able to be those people where we unite on one thing, which is Jesus. And that's what we hold. Yeah. And that doesn't break us. Yeah. We don't allow political views to break us. And that's, you know, or, or just, I mean, again, are just, are, are things that are just secondary issues that we unite on the majors. And so, yeah, I think it's an incredible opportunity right now. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, let's uh, let's just release some of that tension because this is a lot of heavy stuff. But here's 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 a real stuff for anyone who's a parent out there and a lot of people who aren't parents. But the fact is, is that in 2018, Fortnite took over every single teenage boy's existence. What say you, Adrian Crawford? Oh, listen, I am recording this podcast currently and this is no lie i am sitting in my den my son just ran out with a friend of ours to go to the store and i'm in this den and what is on the tv yep. fortnite's on the tv yes, right it now is. it is on the tv so my man jay is the boss five that is his <laughs> gamer tag <laughs> so um yeah dude fortnite i mean seth this is when I realized I've hit that threshold. Like this, I like video. I still do. Like it's my only like hobby I have in life. So I play NBA 2K. Yeah. I start playing Red Dead Redemption. Like, yep. like an hour a night. Yeah. But here's the thing though. What I'll say is this. I try to play Fortnite stuff. And that's that moment where I went to. I was like, yeah, I'm officially old. Because <laughs> they start building crap. And like, yeah. that's what got me. I get shooting. But when they start building everything, I was like, oh, this is too much. But now I watch them do this stuff, man, but it is a phenomenon. And what they did that made it so great is you could not only play, you only didn't have to just play it on your console, but you could play it on a mobile device and it was yep. cross and it was cross platforms. That's what changed the game. Yeah. But you could be on an Xbox. And it was free. And be on a PlayStation. It was free too. And it was free. Yeah. Dude, it, it was incredible. I mean, because like the graphics aren't like incredible. No. You know, it's not like you're like, oh man, like I mean, Red Dead Redemption, the graphics are are Call of Duty, but man, they just it's the idea again what we talked about earlier, man. It's just you bring this community of people together and and then people go out there and play. There's something about community, man, getting around something. And so it's yeah, it's it's a phenomenon. Yeah, it is. And it, and the whole interactive piece of it. My son is, you know, he's he's on his iPad playing Fortnite with his headphones in and you know, we hear him shouting from his, his room every about minute and a half because he's on there with his, be, you know, his best friends, you know, eight, ten of his friends all playing together cooperatively on this game. And uh, my wife and I started realizing, you know, about a year ago, there was like these this isn't just about screen time. This really is their social time. I mean, this is really one of the new ways that teenage boys especially are interacting now. And, uh, and so it's, it's, uh, it's something we still have to regulate. Um, and the most yeah. frustrating part of it all is like the, you know, the more 
you know, screens they play, particularly something like Fortnite, the grumpier they become, you know, and uh, not, not more grateful, you know, it's not, and I don't know about you, but I remember growing up on video games, like, yeah, you could binge video games, but you'd get sick of it after a while. You know what I mean? You'd kind of want to give it yes, a break. I'd, yes. I'd always want to go outside and shoot hoops for a little while. But the way games seem to be designed now is to hook you indefinitely. Um, and they're done so very intentionally. And so I just, so we obviously there's the whole parental structure and everyone is trying to write all the rules, all the new rules that, you know, a parenting about how to handle this whole thing. Shout out to the new rules podcast right there. Just drop that little hey, bit. In there for you. <laughs> but it's true. Like you're literally making this stuff as we go because we're dealing with stuff that generations past never had to fully deal with, at least on this level or so anyway, Fortnite, my goodness, I can't believe how consuming it is. And anyone that has a teenage boy at home knows exactly what we're talking about. Man, and here's the thing. And I'll tell you this, not even just a teenage boy, my eight-year-old daughter. Is she in it? She is begging. She's begging me ah. to play all the time. Well, I and just I'm, read, so to, I just read that it's uh, it's yeah. two to one. So 66% of players of Fortnite are, are boys. But there's 33% of the 200 registered Players are are girls, so there you go. Hey man, let me tell you this. I, hey man, that's hey, that's again new generation we're living in right now. Uh, being able to you know having that where again back in the day it was just really dudes who played. Uh, you know, if you had the rare girl who played video games back in the day, I mean again that was a rarity. Now again, yeah, that's become a lot more. Yep, for sure. All right, Adrian, here's the last topic we're going to end on for this final episode of okay. 2018. And this one I know is going to just put a smile on your face and put a smile on my face. It's something that's very <laughs> near and dear to both of our hearts, um, even though uh, you would think that uh, this white kid growing up in the small town in Oregon would not have such an affinity for hip hop culture. <laughs> There's just something something about it that's somewhere in my bloodstream and I, I just can't can't quite shake it. Um, so I love to indulge that uh, aspect of my of my life every time I'm with you. And here's one of the greatest and coolest things that I've seen in a long time out of the hip hop news in 2018. Chance the rapper has officially gone Ooh. on sabbatical, left the country Ooh. for the purpose of reading his Bible. Mm. Did you know this? Did you was this is this news to you? I, yes, no, I knew that. I had people have been hitting me up and asking all these questions. What do you think? And and it's always yes, it's it's incredible to me. It's incredible to me. First of all, I love Chance's music. It's just such a. It's it, you know again when he came out with Coloring Book, I believe Coloring Book is one of the best albums, um, hip hop albums like ever made just taught I me mean, very few i mean very few albums i listen to from beginning to end yeah where it's just it's you know i remember first time i heard michael jackson's thriller it was like it ended and i was like oh, no it can't end there has to be more like when thriller ended when i heard coloring book i'm like like it, it, there's, there's not one more extra two more extra songs like incredible i love chances artist but hearing what he's done and again what I'm loving, what he said about it is what made it. It's just the fact that yes. he grew up in church, he heard it, but then he's like, he never knew the Bible for himself. Like yes. He didn't understand stuff. And then what I love, and I know you love this too, Seth, it wasn't like he's like, hey, he's reading some weird, like, wonky people. My, when I see my man reading Romans, and it's like Romans with Tim Keller, yes, like he's using that as his God, I was like, oh, my man got it. 
He like, was, my man's going to get something. Because you can't read Keller. You cannot read Keller and not have an understanding. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I saw him post yeah. a devotional written by some, like, some like super old Scottish theologian or something like that. Like, you know, like from the 1800s or something like that. Like, dude, he's, he's reading like legit stuff, you know, not just some kind of sideways kind of off track sort of, you know, um, he's really digging in and going for it. I, I love, I mean, I, I super hope that this is a sentiment that catches on a, the idea of a sabbatical that he's actually valuing something more than just the money and the career and the fame and everything else that everyone else seems to be chasing these days, but he's actually taking stock of his life. What's really important you know, the birth of his nephew really kind of driving this saying like, Hey, I had some good foundations put in me. I want to make sure I'm the kind of man that can instill those in the generations to come. So many amazing impulses in our current cultural context that is just all about me, all about you. Live your best life now. Like, and and we're like the next generation is seen as like a burden, you know, not like this opportunity or blessing to be able to vest into. So just even the motivations for it, the idea of taking stock of your your own emotional or spiritual health and well-being. And 100% agree with you. Just the simple idea, which seems so, so lost, frustratingly lost as a pastor, to read the Bible for yourself, to know what it says and to allow it to speak to you versus your assumptions you have about it. Yes. And, and it's and, and the bottom line is this, watching him do this, and I'm with you, man, I hope it, creates a real buzz and momentum for people to want to understand it because here's what and i will say this and i know that this could be some people would disagree with this statement is that and this is just not and i'm going to restart off before my preface this is that this is not only in african-american culture this is in white culture latino cultures all cultures okay is the fact of that sometimes but I will say because of the influence of faith within African-American communities, especially throughout, um, I mean, throughout, I mean, you see the things, yeah. about civil yeah. rights, all that. It's just, a, the, but what it's had turned, what it's turned into is very much so a lot of, it's a part, but people don't understand. I was that way. I didn't go to church that much, but I knew I should go to church. Yeah. Um, I didn't know why I should go to church. I knew I heard about Jesus. I heard about dying on a cross. I had no idea why he had to die on a cross. I didn't understand the significance of the cross. Um, I didn't understand like Adam and Eve and original sin. I didn't understand any of that stuff, but I just knew, Hey, go to church one day, get baptized. So you don't go to hell. I was like, okay. Like, you know, kind of, that was it. I'm like, okay, the mm-hmm. hell seems like a place mm-hmm. that sucks. Don't want to go there. So <laughs> I'll enough. get baptized. Like, you know, but, what Chance is doing is he just, he grew up culturally that way. And there was something that hit him and the, the music and things like that. But I actually believe that there was a real genuineness inside of him to really want to know this stuff. And even the album he put out and it had such just gospel, like, you know, parts to it that I think in my, this is not, again, this is my just kind of spiritual side of me. I believe that God really honored that. And I believe that in that now, these are real, I think these are real desires in him that yeah. he wanted. Yeah. And I think something sparked it. And like, no, let me go find this out. There's been an unction because a lot of people put out stuff and that's great, but there's something still there. And what I love about him doing this 
they're such this like genuineness and it reminds me of man when i first became a jesus follower that's why i'm loving it because mm. i first came a jesus follower i was like him mm. i didn't know any of this stuff and it was like opening the bible and reading this stuff and i was like how can i'm like this is the greatest thing ever why did anyone ever never tell me about this stuff yeah why didn't any this makes most the most sense of life and watching him do that and all that, and, and again, and I can know why I love Chance because he's doing it, and he's still cussing, and, and his things are going, but it's all genuine to him. And yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of Christians struggle with the fact he was out where he was cussing. And I'm like, listen, you have to be led by your convictions. There's an example of yes to set, but man, we've got to deal with the majors. And the majors are this, man, like, Yes, as people are becoming more and more sanctified, yes, what you say, those things matter. But at the end of the day, watching him do it, it's just beautiful, man. It's like, I, it's like it, you know how this stuff, when you first get saved and you still got so much of that old life in you where, you know, you're reading the Bible, quoting scripture, yeah. and then you're cussing the next, next word out your mouth because it's such your life, but you're figuring it out. And I love that. Yeah. And I love that with somebody who's as gifted and talented as he is. But like you said, but somebody who's not chasing after that, which again goes to a lot of the reasons, I mean, to his family, his parents, he talked so much about them and the space and room they gave him to kind of walk through stuff. Um, I love how he talks about them, you know, because he had a really rough, you know, he made some real bad choices at times, yeah. but just talks about his parents' room they gave him and their love with their strong stances they made. So it's just, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think everything you're pointing out, like there's clearly, if you listen to a chance, the rapper album, you're going to hear like, Oh man, that's awesome. And then, Oh, Whoa, wait, what, why is he using that word? You know, like, <laughs> what happened here? You know, this was like 90% awesome. Like what's going on here? Um, or maybe a little bit less than that, but yeah, yeah. I, I think if that, now that's that. I mean, the problem is if that if that stays permanent and normal, and I think that's where you do get a lot of that religious culture that just kind of gets passed on, where there's no real power to it or personal, you know, like meaningfulness to it, because it still is fused together with a lot of brokenness and junk, and even the language is just kind of a symptom of all that kind of a stuff. But I think what's really beautiful about this is like. Yeah, this is why you don't necessarily jump down someone's throat for for stuff like uh, you know the language issues or or the stuff maybe he's talking about at times, because he's he is in process now. If he never is actually in process, if he's just trying to mesh together a little bit of Jesus and keep his life, that's one thing. But the fact that now, yeah, he's off and he's he's reading the scriptures. He's wanting to investigate it, take it more seriously for himself. Um, and hopefully there's going to be growth. And I think the reality is, is that we have to say that it's, it's got to be about direction, not perfection. Uh, we got to thank God for wherever people are in their life and hope that they continue to grow and to move forward. But not in some like like um, traditional sense or like, well, this is just what you should do sense. But as as it becomes genuine and real in someone's life and they start to form an actual relationship with God, convicted by his truth and walking by his grace, into into new life and so it's hopefully that's what we'll begin to see on the back end of these of these initiatives that uh he's taking and i think we just he's just a great example of like yeah for if culture is going to be affected even if normal people are going to be reached it's going to be messy and he's just an example of that uh but hopefully god really does genuinely move on his life 
and the chance that you knew in his former albums will 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 grow and become healthier. And uh, and his words, you know, and his messages and his thoughts and his ideas and his life path and everything, his life choice, all those kinds of things will be more and more conformed into the image of Christ. I mean, that is the deep hope for all of us. Um, so uh, yeah, that's I, I, hopefully it's all good news leading in the right direction. But I just I just love that. Uh, Man, he is just not afraid to push all the cultural hot buttons right now and and to take up the ideas of sabbatical and taking the Bible serious. I mean, how countercultural is that right now uh, <laughs> for a guy like that to do? And so just much respect to him for just just the the courage that uh, that this is taking. It is, you know, it's that, that speaks to who he is. I mean, he's a, I mean, you talk about a guy who could make, I mean, a guy you're talking about who probably if he signed with a record label tomorrow, would probably have the largest record deal of any first-time artist signing. Like, there's nobody, because of his own standing on his own two feet, and what that speaks to, though, is like, you, you see that stuff coming out of him of, like, he's right, he truly is writing new rules. The idea of, like, I'm not signing with a label, but now you're saying something with the Bible, it's scripture, and learning it on his own, forget what everybody else is saying. I just think it's there, and that's one of the things I would tell anybody listening to this, who or listen to the podcast, who are Jesus followers, is that these are moments where, instead of being skeptical, that we actually need to really, you know, take time out to really stand and pray for him, because the level and the dent that a young man like that can make is incredible for the kingdom. It's incredible for the influence it can have on the next generation. And so, let me tell you this. Everything's going to war against that for that not to happen either, the, so that it can stop him. And so, you know, he's going to be wrestling with a lot. But you know, I think that's one of the things we can really take a stand and say, "Yo, we're gonna, you know, we want to stand and pray for this young man because again, he's reading the scriptures, he's really trying to learn." And I, and I, like, I'm with you, man. I'm just believing God. There's going to be something that lasts that sticks in him, yeah. and that people give him space and room to walk through this process. Absolutely. Adrian Crawford, 2018, was an incredible year. And I just got to say, uh, with a little bit of bromance involved, that one of the things that made 2018 great was your friendship. I just so appreciate you, not just for the whole podcast stuff, but just all, all the input you've had into my life, support you've given to me, friendship we've been able to build. So just want to thank you for your time being on this final episode. Thanks for all your thoughts and opinions. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And dude, I am. And I get for you guys, uh, returning for me, returning to bromance, it's uh, having the conversation with you, um, you know, having the conversation about doing podcasts and, and what it could look like. And I never forget, we were on the phone one night for about an hour talking about it and your ideas you had. And I, I was like, this is going to be incredible. Just go, just go, just go. Watching you, you know, I love watching somebody take an idea and just put it to the earth regardless of it doesn't have to come out with you know hey we got a million followers mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter to listen to this podcast and and the impact that it's making um and i think that's one thing i hope for anybody to listen to if there's an idea thought that you have don't stop waiting for it to look so cleaned up just go do it like just start it's good word. because you know what it's not it's not about it's not about who who, who all's watching if you're good at what you do, the things advance, but also you may just have a small niche that you're impacting and that small niche really, uh, that is bringing real life to individuals and people. And so that's the thing. And many times we're more consumed. And that's why I love what you do, Seth. You're not consumed with, okay, this has to be, again, we would love for this thing to go, we go national, but more than anything else, there are things that you want to talk about that you're getting out there that's helping people. 
And that's what it's about because you're more, you have a vision and more concerned with the content than you are, okay, how many people are liking it. And I think that when people begin to do more of that, then they begin to make real dents. And so that's why I love what you've done with this podcast. Oh, thanks, and, man. And stuff like that. So, man, so, yeah, so keep it up, man. And like I said, have your boy back on more and more. And like I said, I love to do it. You bet, buddy. Well, I'm going to see you out in uh, Tallahassee here shortly for the new rules conference coming up in uh, January. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a great time. I look forward to seeing you. All right, we'll see you there, buddy.